Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Amen. You may be seated at this time. I hope you let me challenge you as a pastor. I'm one of the pastors here, Ron Bramus, and I pray that you let me challenge you. If you will let me challenge you as a believer, would you raise your hand at this time? Would you raise your, you, you don't want me to challenge you. There's the door. No, I'm just easy. I like a challenge, you know. You know I know my son and I were out there playing pickleball. In fact, I think I saw a pickleball friend here. Were you somewhere? There he is over there. We love a challenge. See, we go out there and we look over here. Oh, they're not a challenge. We walk over here. Nah, maybe. Over, oh, here's a challenge. We may lose, but we love a good challenge, right? So, spiritually, I don't know if you're the same way. Do you like to be challenged by the Lord Jesus Christ to step up to the plate and do a better job? Do you like to be challenged by your Father and your Savior? Well, he's going to challenge you this morning. He's going to speak through my mouth, and he's going to use me this morning to challenge all of us. Now, there are two areas that believers are weak in, and I'm only going to speak in one of those areas. You are bought with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he owns us. And yet only 20% of believers give back to God what is already his. So 80% of the work of the Gideons, love life, the church, is supported by 20% of believers in the church. We're not gonna talk about that today to many of your relief. We will further in the rest of this year, we'll talk about it. But there's another area that I want to speak to you about. And that is in the area of soul winning. Believers who've been bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Only 5% have ever had the privilege or taken the responsibility to lead someone to Jesus Christ. That means 95% of believers never share their faith. Now you have to understand in the olden days, I would be hooping and hollering up here. I would be getting passionate. And y'all be blocking your eardrums. But as a father and a grandfather, I've learned how to speak to my children. I've learned how to speak to my grandchildren. And I've learned how to speak to my, the people that I, Jacob and I help shepherd. And that is with love. Because when I look in the mirror, Jesus is speaking to me also. So if you allow me, let me tell you about the who, the what, the when, the where, and the why of salvation. Let me cover first the what. Or excuse me, yeah, the what. The what of salvation. It's a mandate that Jesus gave us when he was leaving earth. The last thing he said was, it reminds me of people, and I've thought of this, God, if I'm about to die, can I I make a video? And I've heard some of you saying that your loved ones have made a video, and it was shown at the funeral. And and I've thought about that. God, if you're calling me home, would you give me time to make a video so I can pass a message on to my children and my grandchildren and my friends 
and the church. Well, guess what? Those would be my last words, and I think they would be cherished, and they would be very important, wouldn't they? The last thing Jesus said, he had a lot of good things and important things to say. Everything that comes out of the mouth of God is important. But he said, here's what he said, Matthew 28. Then Jesus said to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, I am always with you to the very end of the age. I think we have that on screen. I don't know. Maybe we could show that in a minute. So the last thing he said is, go. Go into all the world and when God saved me, I said, Father, send me anywhere you want. Send me where they don't know you. Because it's easy to go back to the places where they do know you. And everybody wants to build a church where it's kind of easy. I pledged to go in the mission field, but God did not want me to do that. I pledged to go out to Oregon where I heard there was such a great need, but he did not use me there. I did not want to be in Florida, and neither did my wife, but this is where God called me. Doesn't he work like that in your life? So I, I guess maybe I got to be around my family, friends, and, and see many of them come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And again, as he was taken up in the cloud, and he's coming back in the same way, and that's the thing you need to put your weight on. He's coming back again, not all the nonsense in between. We don't know about that. All we know, he's coming back again in the clouds. They take us home to be with them, and he's bringing judgment, and he's going to give the rewards, and he's going to send people to heaven, or each one starts with an H. Heaven or H-E double hockey stick? Here's what he said in Acts 1. You and me will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the other parts of the world. You know how important this is? Proverbs teaches us in 11.30. The fruits of a righteous person is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. The what? Go. The mission? Make disciples. If you didn't have people doing their job and you owned a business, would you get onto them for not doing their job? Yes. Do you know it's impossible to win a basketball game, all you Heat fans, if you're only good at defense and you have zero offense, you cannot win the game. You can in football, but you cannot in basketball. And so if the offense is not doing the job, you expect the coach to get on them. That's your favorite team. You watch him being lethargic. In fact, anybody that's watched the Heat in the last month, in the fourth quarter, they've been getting lethargic. They've been getting kind of weak. Right? They need a good kick in the britches. Start winning those games in the fourth quarter. What if your job is teaching, reading, writing, and arithmetic, and you spend most of your time talking about the latest news from TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook? That means you're going to have ignorant children. The what of evangelism is this. Go and make disciples. It pleases him 
go and make disciples. Will you join the team? Second thing, the why. Why? Why do we do this? Why? The why of evangelism. Because there's good news and there's bad news. Actually, the bad news can lead to the good news, but I'll give you, you want the good news or the bad news first? You ever heard that? I'm going to give you the good news. The good news first. Someone did something on behalf of humanity. Our school children have been robbed of what the great men and women of this country did for them. The fact that they can be in a home, have a job, be in a classroom, rebel, and still live in peace because men and women paid the price so they could live in freedom. Every human being born is an enemy of God. They have rebelled against God. The scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the bad news. The good news is someone paid the price. The scripture teaches us in 1 Corinthians 15. If You'll flip there or it will be on the screen. It reminds me of my son Kevin again. I visited him. And he reminded me that this is the gospel here in 1 Corinthians 15. I've always gone to it for the subject of the resurrection. And you can. But actually, you can read this to someone and explain the gospel to them. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Remember, gospel means what? Good news. Which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this good news, by this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. It's not that you got to hold on to your salvation. It explains the evidence will be that you'll continue on that stand. Here's the gospel now. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to Scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. By the way, if you want to check it out, most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep at the time of this writing, of course. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. The gospel of the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. That's the good news. Christ, our Savior, our Creator, our Lord, our God came to this earth and was misunderstood, brutally beating beyond recognition by the religious people. So sometimes when we begin to look at these religious people, saints, and we try to point you away from them, it was the very religious people that pointed people away from God. And Jesus said, you're making them the twice the son of hell that you are. So no wonder why sometimes we do get on to some of the religious leaders. Paul did. Jesus did. One of the harshest words he had to say to any creature on this planet was to the religious leaders who were pointing people in the opposite direction of going to heaven. He said, he died on our behalf so we could have peace with God. I don't know about you. 
I don't know about you, but I do know about me, that I remember coming close to death, embracing all the filthy crap the world hands us to put in our mouth. And I remember almost in death, I feared God at that time. And I knew I was going to hell. And I begged for mercy. Oh, God, hear me. You know you make all those bargains then? You know, God, if, if you'll get me out of this mess, here's what I'll do. He wasn't interested in what I'll do. You see, while you, while, I, while we were sinners, not even thinking about God, he's not even on our mind, he's not even on the radar, Christ died for you and me. That's good news. Not based on anything you can do, will do, should do. He's already loving you. That's the good news. Now, here's the reason why. The why. The bad news. The bad news is death will separate you from God. There's a judgment coming because you did reject him, and there's a place of eternal torment. That's why we share the gospel. Aren't you glad? Am I not glad? That as I knocked on doors after I almost died, people started sharing Christ with me or opened up a Gideon Bible and I began to read about the love of Christ. Are you not glad? Am I not glad that someone shared that? Because if I'd have died, then I would have went to hell forever and I couldn't have called 911, nor could I have called attorney to help me out. Aren't you glad? I didn't hear too many people. Are you glad, saints? that someone shared the gospel with you and now you are a child of God. Do you ever thank that person for what they did? I can't wait to go to heaven and meet those people who told me about Jesus. The bad news is this. The wages of sin is death. Isaiah puts it even clearer in Isaiah 59 too. But your iniquities... Plain English, your sins, your lying, your cheating, your adultery, your covetousness, all those sins, your pride, for your sins, your iniquities have separated you from your God, your creator. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. That's why if you go to a church in the United States or around the world and they offer Jesus with no repentance, get out, run, flee. Don't be a part of that church because you must repent of your sins in order to be saved. Amen. Amen. That is being absent in the pulpits of America. Repentance. Oh, just ask Jesus in your heart. Put a little tag on your head and your heart. I receive Christ. He loves me just the way I am. He does when you come to him. But when you leave him, you either leave the same or you're changed. The other reason, the why of evangelism, is separation from God, but the judgment that's coming. The judgment. John 3, 18. It's good to read God's word. It should scare the heck out of you. It did me. Nothing wrong with that. God said you must fear him. You must fear him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. I wouldn't trade shoes with most of the people out there or driving out there or I see on television or on the football field, the basketball field, because I don't know where they're going if they died. And I don't want to be with them when that happens. Make sure when you get in a car with somebody, Remember, God said, separate yourself from the people in the world. You get in the car with somebody that's getting drunk and, and driving down the road. You're with him. You might end up where he's going, to the grave, not necessarily the destiny, the final destiny. But there's a judgment coming. He said in Mark 9, if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where... The worms that eat them do not die. And the fire is not quenched. I just spoke about hell, which is the third reason why you want to communicate the gospel. Revelation 20:15. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life sat there in the grave, lived happily ever after. No, the scripture says, was thrown into the lake of fire. Someone said the Bible doesn't talk about hell. Hmm. Those are the reasons why that should lead you to the who of evangelism. What? Go make disciples. Why? Because there's good news that could spare people's lives from eternal torment. So the who in evangelism? Let me explain. Let's see who's responsible for sharing this good news. The apostles, yes, Matthew 4, 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. That was their job. That was their vocation. You have a vocation. And Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. So yes, the church began with Jesus and the 12 apostles after Judas was replaced, someone else replaced him. That's the birth of the church, and it scattered all over the world. It didn't need any hierarchy. It didn't need any authority except Jesus, and churches grew and sprung up all over the world because it began with the 12 apostles who were willing to leave their vocation, and God may be calling people in this church like it did me to leave your vocation and go full-time into the work of God. He may be calling someone here this morning to give up what they're doing. I sat where you sat one time. I wanted to become a movie star or a great athlete. He told me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remember after my first church or two, I wanted to get out of the church. I couldn't believe God's people behaved the way they did. You see, Jesus said, if you love me, you love the brothers and sisters in Christ. Man, I got treated by people in the world sometimes worse than I got treated in the church. Billy Graham said the greatest harvest field is in the church because people come. They believe it's a safe place, but it doesn't mean they love Jesus. 
They feel comfortable. And so I decided to take my insurance test. I tried a little bit of acting, and uh, I found out that's not what I needed to do. God said, no, I want you to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ full time for me. So I surrendered. Didn't know he would call almost every one of my children to surrender to the ministry also. He may be calling you this morning. He may be tugging at your heart saying, hey, I want you to give up your life for me. Full time, that's your vocation, to go into the mission field, to become a minister of the gospel, and there's many ways to do that. Yes, it was the job of the apostles, but now here's where the rubber meets the road. All believers have the privilege and responsibility. I want to. Look, I mean, the second I got saved, I couldn't wait to tell everyone about someone who loved me. I'd never seen him before, talking about a kingdom I never visited, and reading a book that had no pictures, all that. I began to embrace at once, all because something happened. The Holy Spirit came in me, and he began to cause you and me to hunger and thirst for him. Here's what he said in 2 Corinthians 5. This responsibility is for everyone. Here's what it says. When someone becomes, this is from the living Bible, it's a paraphrase, but remember when they translate the Bible in, from the Greek and the Hebrew into all these languages of the world, don't get all bent out of shape about all the translations unless they're heretical. The living Bible is a good guide. Here's what it says. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. Hallelujah. Most of us, if not all of us, can jump up and down and go, Woo-hoo, hallelujah, I'm not what I used to be. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. I mean, my lying left me, my foul mouth left me. My womanizing left me. My pot smoking left me. I mean, my thieving left me. All that, I mean, overnight, it's like the scales fell off my body and my skin, and I woke up in heaven. Only I had this old body still with me. Here's what he said about this responsibility of the who. All these new things are from God, who brought us back to himself. Remember, we were his enemies. Through who? Through what Christ did. I just talk to you about that in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. I read slowly because it's God's word that's going to speak to you and me. Reconciled, getting them back into a right relationship with God is what that means. For God was in Christ the Messiah, restoring the world to himself. That's another way you can use the word reconciled, restoring relationships. No longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. Hallelujah. We could be praising God from here till he comes back in the clouds about that phrase right there or that truth or that scripture. This is a wonderful message. He's given who? The apostles. Given who? Preachers. Given who? Professors. Given who? Just those who have big mouths that can speak about him. No, he's given us to tell who? Others. 
We are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you as though Christ himself were here pleading with you. Receive the love he offers you. Be reconciled to God. Restore your relationship with God. Do you want to know how? And you begin to explain to them how. Gideon Bible, the back of it will help you. EE track will help you. Your testimony will help you. Opening God's word will help you. Explain to that person this wonderful good news. I'll read the last verse 22. For God took the sinless Christ and poured him into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. He gave you and me righteousness. If your bank account was on empty unrighteousness, he filled your bank account up with righteousness. The Bible says without righteousness, you and me will never see God. So he credits your account. Righteous from the beginning to end. He's hovering over you. He sees the beginning and the end of the parade. He sees the beginning of your journey with him to the end. He stamps you righteous. That's why there's no condemnation. So whose job is it? Whose privilege is it to share the good news with others? Whose is it? Ours. The church. The church. So it's apostles, the believers, and the church. So if we did everything but what we're, what we're supposed to do, if Amazon filled up all their warehouses but didn't deliver you their packages, you would be upset. If the church just sits around and sings kumbaya and has a lot of picnics, a lot of parties, but we don't carry out the good commission or the great commission, are we doing our job? And whose job is it? Our job. Romans tells us, Romans 10, how then? Can they carry, or how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Would you like to see my feet? No, I'll keep them on. I got a really big black toe from playing pickleball because when you stop like this, stop like this, stop like this, your toe gets black and it never goes away. I don't know. Okay, too much, too much information. Okay, the what of evangelism is what? Go make disciples. Okay, the why of evangelism, you're going to help them escape death, judgment, and eternal hell. And then the who of evangelism, who's supposed to do it? All of us. Now, where exactly do we do that? This is where it gets confusing for many. This is my big beef about the church in the United States of America. We have turned the church into looking like the world. This is, my, this is me. This is me. This is my opinion. may not be Jacob's. That's why he only lets me up here once in a while to preach now. <laughs> it's my opinion. I'm here to honor and worship God. Amen. Can I get a hallelujah out of there? I'm not here to play pickleball. I'm not here to watch the dolphins. Are you watching the dolphins? Are you sure? You're not lying to me, Jacob. Okay. He loves football. So did I. Who's winning? No. I'm here to honor him. I really am. I'm not here to 
do I have a nice jacket, nice shoes? Uh, I'm, I'm not here to do that. I'm not technically even here for you. I'm here for him. He told us to gather together to honor him. Didn't he tell us to do that? There's other places to go do soul winning, right? I'm not saying now, if you bring a lost believer in here while we're worshiping God, and they go, wow, how awesome their God is. Look at them. They're singing about it. There's a smile on their face. There's a twinkle in their eye. There's a clap in their hand. There's a dance in their feet. They got something I don't have. I want it. Can I get saved? There's nothing wrong with that. Hallelujah, if that happens. But that's not the where. That's not the where. Can I tell you where it begins? Every single one of you can be a soul winner. Because it begins where? In the home. In the home where the buffalo roam and the deer and the antelope play. Oh, home sweet home. Sweet Alabama. Oh, all those things are going through my mind. But think about this. Proverbs 22, 6. See, now we're going to put the rubber that meets the road. Okay? You can do it. Don't excuse yourself. Draw strength from what Jesus is going to teach you. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. All six of my kids have come to know Jesus Christ because this was absolutely paramount for my wife and I to introduce him to the greatest person I've ever heard of and ever met in my entire life, Jesus the Messiah. I wanted them to know him because I had no idea how long I could hold on to them. I never knew. So we started. I remember speaking in the belly button of mama. Hey, Megan, what you doing in there? Jesus loves you. I did. That was a micro. Did you know belly button's a microphone? That's the truth. Start speaking truth to them then. Honestly, I'm a normal human being like you. I love to have fun, sports, like to work. But I wanted my kids to know the Savior because I never knew whether he was going to take them from me or what age. He does not give you and me a guarantee how long you will live or how long your children will live. Deuteronomy reminds us of this great, awesome responsibility, Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words I command you today shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. Hmm. What? You shall teach them. Don't leave it to the church. Don't leave it to the Sunday school, the children's church. That's not their job to bring your children to know Christ. They're to come alongside you and help you and assist you and encourage them and encourage you. It's our privilege. I don't want anybody else to have that privilege. We want the privilege to lead our children and our grandchildren to Jesus Christ. Now, God may use some other people. We're not going to get jealous of that. But you understand what I mean. Our privilege. It continues and says, And these words which I commanded you shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in the home, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. We're going to comment on that in a minute. You shall bind them as signs on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Jesus also said this about children. Matthew 19. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And so, can I say, where does evangelism begin? In your home. 
if you did not do the job properly because you got saved later in life. Mind, don't live in a guilt trip. That's not what I'm here to do right now. Go back to your family and say, listen, nobody told me about Jesus. And daddy or mom, we did a poor job in explaining. We taught you about, and gave you an education. We gave you a car. But we didn't tell you about the most important person in the whole world. Would you forgive us? That's a bold witness right there. Then begin to let them see in your life. And as you have opportunity, begin to share with them. Because they may not open the doors right away. So again, I repeat, if you did not have that chance or that opportunity, or you blew it, or you failed, there's always a second chance with Jesus Christ. Amen? He'll forgive you. Just go back and be honest. You know, transparency is one of the best things. Your, your kids will love you for that. They may have a hard time in the beginning getting over it, but at least they will see the face of Jesus in you. Then, so your family members, and then your neighbors, your co-workers, the list goes on. So, the where begins in your home. The when, when should you do this? This is the motto of my life. Everywhere you go, everything you do, every day of your life, in everything that you say. The last one I kind of added on in my life. And so when we were at home, the kids would get up in the morning, I would make them breakfast while mama would get ready. I pull out the Bible, make their lunches, ask them to read the Bible, teach them how to breathe between sentences, teach them how to pause at commas, teach them how to stop at a period while I'm teaching them the Bible at the same time. We did that almost their entire lives. When we got in the car to go to the baseball game, I said, you know that stupid frown that's on your face? Wipe it off. When you're on the mound and you pitch a bad pitch and the coach pulls you out, I don't want to see you going, you represent Jesus Christ. Don't let them see that on your face. We did that all the time. I have to tell myself that because when I play sports, I'm competitive and I'll go like this at my partner that stinks and he's probably looking at me saying, you stink too. And, and my, my kids remind me of that all the time. I have to, I've had to work on it my entire life. I mean, my entire life. I've had, because I've been an athlete my entire life, raised with five other brothers. I, I, he loves me. I'm not perfect. But there's some things that we want to get right. And that is... Everywhere you go, everything you do, every day of your life, it's, it's not, time out, I'm a Christian on Sunday, and Monday through Saturday, I'm not. It's a privilege to do what you call, I call lifestyle evangelism. Someone said it's more caught than taught, but you do have to teach. I call it lifestyle evangelism with a follow through, with a follow through. There's where the opportunities are, and there is where it's most natural to teach your kids about Christ, your family, your friends about Jesus Christ. You talk about ball games, you talk about things that you like, and then you get on to the things that you like. If someone's going to golf with me, if someone's going to do anything with me, I'm, gonna, I'm thinking, okay, God, okay, God, where's the door? Where's the door? As soon as I mention church, they're gone. <laughs> sometimes it happens, and sometimes it doesn't. You're not responsible for the results. As Brother Drew just said a while ago, our privilege and responsibility is to sow the seeds and the Holy Spirit's job to give birth. When I learned that lesson, it was a great relief that you're not responsible. And by the way, I want to say this to you also to bring comfort to you as a shepherd. Remember, I'm a shepherd 
I rose an evangelist. I'm going back to be an evangelist since Jacob's going to be doing a lot of shepherding and I'll help him. But I want to get back to discipleship in evangelism because that's really my heartbeat. You can do this everywhere you go, everything you do. If it's, if it's foreign to you, it's going to be foreign to your kids and to your friends. But if you talk about it as naturally as you talk about your relatives, the sports, the stars, the shows, the movies, it'll be natural. You're weaving it in and out every day, everywhere you go, and everything you say. And the people that don't want to be around you, they're not going to be around you. None of my neighbors come knocking on my door. They all know who I am. They, but they like me because they know they, they have someone that's not a thief next door to them. Or so I don't know if they really know that, but they, they, I'm not. And I'm not a murderer, crazy guy. I liked the time when my neighbor came over and we watched the movie and had foul language in it. I said, okay, am I going to worm out of this or be a testimony for Jesus Christ? I said, listen. I can't stand when they take my God's name in vain. So we're not watching Fast and Furious in my home. We're going to watch something else. That was a witness, by the way. See, I'm giving you some clues about witnessing. I didn't have to say, hey, you're dying and going to hell right then. It was a witness. <laughs> you might get around to that a few minutes later, but right at that moment, it was a witness. And it may or may not open the door. Do you see? It's lifestyle. It's, I think it's easy. Not because I'm an evangelist. It's because you love Jesus. And the problem, I've, I've done you an injustice. How so? Because I believe that when you love God and you appreciate what he's done for you, you can't help but telling other people about him if you really love him, right? I've been married 41 years to my wife. I haven't been perfect toward her in everything, but everywhere I go, I brag on my wife. Everyone who is around me, who has heard from me, knows that it's absolutely true. How can you be that much in love? And then I might go home and argue with her the next moment. <laughs> but I love her, and I brag on her. I love Jesus. I want everyone that is willing to listen, I want to tell them about the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And then that can happen to them. And so here's the one I want to remind you of. When do you not share? When someone asks you, it gives you a green light to share. So here's what Peter said. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. What? Always, everywhere you go, everything you do, every day of your life, Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. The what? The mandate? The mission? The why? Because people are perishing. The who? Who does this? We do. The when, remember, everywhere you go, everything you do, every day of your life, and I want to add one, in every conversation that you have, make an attempt to share something about Christ. I'll end with the how of evangelism. How in the world, how in the world 
can you convince an addict, an addict is any addict, an addict to sin, how can you convince an addict that he or she is a sinner and for them to embrace Jesus Christ as Savior? The truth is you can't. You can't. When I learned that lesson, oh, what a relief it was. And I was going to add to you that I forgot to say as a shepherd, it's not how many people you lead to Christ that makes you important in the kingdom of God, saints. I'm not Billy Graham, so if I compared myself to Billy Graham, he's won millions to Christ, I could say, oh, Lord, I'm a terrible soul winner. You may live out in the country. My wife lived in a farm, separated from everyone else in Arkansas. There wasn't a lot of people around them, so she may not have or may not have that opportunity to share Christ with a lot of people. It's not how many. Please remember that. Because remember, God passes out the talents, doesn't he? He gives some one talent. He gives some five talent. And he gives others ten talents. So don't beat yourself up because maybe you haven't won as many as me. But then I can compare myself. I haven't won as many as him or her. It's not how many. But have you done the job with the people that God has put in front of you? Have you given a witness to your coworkers, to your family, to your relatives? Do they know you love Jesus? Remember, Jesus said, if you hide and don't let anybody know, when you stand before me, hey, Jesus, don't we know each other? I went to church. Yes, I went to Sunday got baptized. Yeah. I never knew you. I never knew you. Because everywhere you went, everywhere you went, you hid the fact that you knew me. So how do you do it? With the, I'll leave you with this, with the power and authority of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. First, the power and authority of Jesus Christ. He said in Matthew 28 again, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. I believe a lot of what Revelation says, the devil is the prince of the air. But I believe what many theologians and um, end time folks have taken wrong is that he was and has been already subdued because Jesus is on the throne. He has all authority on heaven and on earth and the devil has to be defeated when you give a bold witness for Christ. He's not waiting to be in charge. He is in charge already. And Christians forget that. He has been subdued to where he cannot deceive the nations anymore. Until that time has been lifted, he has been subdued. He has no authority or power over the church or over you unless you give it to him. He also said, he who believes in me, write this down, John 14, 12, if you're taking any notes. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Here's what Jesus is saying to you and me again. Greater love is no one than this, than to lay down and give up his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did for you and me. And so I've always believed that it's your love for Christ what he's done for you, that why you want to tell others. But I also understand that many of you need to be equipped. So in the this, in this spring, we're going to be equipping you 
and I'm going to have a class called Master Life, 12 weeks long. want to find out who would like to be discipled. And we're going to probably invite EE or someone like that to come in and educate us and teach us and equip you with the tools in evangelism. I've already put, sent out a note to John Sorensen, the head of EE, and said, hey, I'd like for you guys, since we're family, can we get any, uh, you know, any, uh, you know, help over here? And he may come here in the spring and begin to equip us with some of the tools. And we can do the same thing. But the last thing I'll say is, without the Holy Spirit, you can't do anything. I've shared my faith probably, I'd say at least eight times in the last two weeks. Anybody comes in my home, they're getting witness to. Anybody comes on this property, I'm going to witness to them. The last person, few people I've witnessed to, I was, as I was witnessing, I'm going, the Holy Spirit's not working. Or they're resisting the Holy Spirit, one or the other. The Holy Spirit is always at work. God is always at work. The Father is always at work. But I didn't sense anything happening at all. No conviction, no nothing. Other times I have. Been in some of your homes and had the privilege to lead some of you to Christ. Sense that conviction. Without the Holy Spirit, you can do nothing. Remember Acts 1-8 again. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. I pray that this church won't grow because Jacob and I want to see it grow. But I pray that this church grows because beginning today and continuing through the rest of this, this year, that God will raise up people who will share their faith when they go back home to their kids, to their uncles, their aunts, their co-workers, to their neighbors, and they will begin to share their faith with others. And then that we're going to help equip you if you feel weak. But remember, all you have to do is take the back of a Gideon Bible, or you can take an EE track, which I've done almost every year. I've given each one of you one, and I've taken one and read right through it. In fact, most of the people, even though I know things off the top of my head, I'll ask them, you read this with me. Easy. You don't have to do Just have them read with you. Does it make sense? Are you willing to repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ? Yes. Then let's pray. It's easy. It's not easy living it out, is it? It is easy getting saved. But it is a chore living it out. He knows that, but the reward will be wonderful. Would you stand at this time? Thank you for your patience. Thank you for letting one of your pastors challenge you in this area. I'm challenging myself to do a better job at soul winning, being cognizant of every opportunity around you. I pray that you'll join the team and become a soul winner. If you... I wouldn't mind you, listen, we, we don't do things for show and tell here. I wouldn't mind you coming up here telling Jacob and I as we stand up here, you know what? I'm going to commit to being a soul winner. I'm going to commit the rest of this year in 2024 to be a soul winner. I, I, then, don't, I, I don't want to go to the back. Pastor, nice sermon. Of course, you know that's not why we preach. We preach because we adore and worship Him and want to please Him. I go back to my office. And often say, God, that I do a good job, that I honor your name, that I lift up the Father. Then if someone comes along and says, hey, I like the saints, you want saints to say, hey, I appreciate the message because if it's, if it's way off, they're, they're not going to say that. But if you sense God speaking to you this morning, uh, Jacob and I will be standing here. Jacob, would you come up here this morning? Again, this is not for show and tell. 
but that you felt the Holy Spirit speaking. You say, I'm going to commit to becoming a soul winner this year and next year. If you're here today and you heard the gospel, remember, it's all about us worshiping him and God spoke to your heart or you're listening in online this morning or this afternoon now. No, still this morning. See, I didn't go over to 1230, Jacob. You can come and receive Christ as your Savior. Just pray the prayer with us. You can actually pray it in your seat and then come up here and say, forgive me my sins, God. Forgive me. I know I'm a sinner. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for my sins. Save me, Jesus. He already knows what's going on in your heart. Make that commitment. Come forward. Let us know. Because now we want to get you baptized. Would you please come this morning? Encourage us that God is speaking through us and that he's going to raise up a slew of soul winners. Would you please come and let us know that God's spoken to you and that you're committed to be a soul owner? Would you come right now? Don't wait. Would you come at this moment? Don't wait for 15, 20 people to come. Would you come and let us know and encourage us? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.